This episode of Shootcast is brought to you by Modus Operandi Brewing. Based in Motorvale and Sydney's Northern Beaches, one of Australia's best craft brewers, be sure to check the guys out online or why not visit the brewery. Thank you to Modus for your support of the show. Another round of Shoot Shoot Action. We're approaching the halfway marks. We might see how all the teams are travelling after eight rounds of Shoot Shoot Action. Again, Northern Suburbs and Sydney University out in front, still undefeated. We'll be waiting eagerly for that clash, which can't be too far away now. Plenty of interesting results over the weekend and plenty of awesome uh, games coming up, including the big local derby and uh, some other epic matches to look forward to. So thoroughly looking forward to jumping into all the action. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Shootcast. Shootcast, our round eight review. Joining me once again is Andrew Swain from Stan Sport and Mark Cashman from Rugby News. Casho, mate, I didn't get to see you on Saturday. I'm sure you were down at the Village Green, but um, always a little preoccupied uh, in the fourth grade reunion. Did you did you seek a better vantage point, mate? Mate, I was uh, I wasn't far from uh, where you were, but uh, by the time I was looking around for uh, saying where's Burjo, I think you you blokes had decamped to the uh, to the Manly Club. So um, uh, yeah, good luck to you. Yeah, sorry, mate. We got out of there pretty quick after the match and uh, carried on with our uh, our uh, reunion. You could say uh, very very. Entertaining night as always. Great turn up, about twenty five blokes. So for a fourth grade union, five five years apart, we thought that was that was pretty great. Um, Swaney, uh, Super Rugby, we're uh, we're off the nudie run. Yeah, absolutely. Good good win from the Reds on uh, on Saturday night. Although just I, was just <laughs> a mate of mine texted me at about uh, who's a Kiwi friend, incidentally, texted me at about. Um, it was th- I think the score was thirty to three or something like that. Mm. And he said, "Oh, you're thirty points ahead. You can call it now." And I said, "Mate, do not, do not early crow. The Aussies can bottle it from here. I tell you that much." And God, they almost did. <laughs> they almost did. It was funny. What do you? I mean, they after the game, they didn't look too happy, and Brad Thorne certainly didn't look happy up in the box. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just got out to that good lead, and maybe a little bit of the mind games with. With the Chiefs being a man down, uh, got yeah. to got to them. <laughs> Shit, yeah. it was uh, a little sketchy there for a while. Oh, big time, big time, and it was. Um, but it was good to see them get the victory, and 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 you know, it was thoroughly deserved in the end. A good crowd up there in Townsville, and mm. uh, I thought the Reds played particularly well at times. Um, you know, particularly yep. in that first half, there was some some really good footy. So. You know, if they can if they can put eighty minutes of, of that sort of footy together, then they're going to be um, you know pretty hard to beat over the next couple of weeks. They've got the Blues this week, so mm. um, I reckon they can do them at Suncorp Stadium. Mm. So we'll just we'll just have to see. But um, yeah, the other teams uh, look. I, I called the Waratahs and Crusaders game. I thought that was a thoroughly entertaining game, and I, I thought that the Tars did. Particularly well to they um, did they did fight they they um you know the Crusaders I don't think really got out of third gear ever um but they uh, the the Waratahs to their credit really fought their way um, into contention you know mm. a lot of that match so it was good to watch 
Yeah, it was good. Casho, did you catch that Waratahs game? I thought, like Swanee said, it was a step in the right direction. And uh, there's been some comments this week from some players that uh, it has been a tough grind, but they've all looking a bit more long-term and, look, couldn't get any worse. And you got to think a bit more cohesion over the next year or two and hopefully things start to head in the right way. Well, well, hopefully we, we get a coach, uh, you know, in, in the very near future. <laughs> that would which, help. <laughs> which, which would obviously help because, you know, there's uh, – I, I know of two or three players who are, who are considering offers from, uh, from, from other franchises, mm. uh, still sort of waiting to uh, see where the dust settles at, uh, at Daisyville. So mm. it's, it's time to get cracking. But, listen, it, 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 it was one of those performances and – you know, I think there's been some narrative early this week about uh, we've got to continue to compete against the best to be the best and uh, makes a lot of sense in, in, in some respects. Mm. Now, on the over the weekend and late last week, uh, the grassroots game was thrust again into uh, the political limelight that is the Sydney rugby. And uh, there were some interesting articles from Tom Deason about this potential uh, seven-team approach to uh, Rugby Australia and New South Wales Rugby about some of the um, major points of the, the newly formed participation agreement. Uh, I think the, the key things out of that, uh, that agreement are four grades of senior rugby, three grades of cults, uh, women's 15, which is an interesting point, uh, I think by about 2022, um, full-time general manager, full-time coach with level three accreditation and revenue of over half a million dollars a year. Uh, it seems from the outside like a play to really um, move towards that 10-team comp that is has been desired and, and what we've talked about uh, at the start. Um, it was so much to digest. There's been so much written about it. I think I'll just make a few points because you go on forever about it. I just I think the optics on it are bad. I can't hide mm. from that. I just think yeah. um, there's a lack of transparency across the board, and I just don't think it's in the spirit of rugby to be doing things um, behind closed doors, so to speak. I think the clubs have got a really strong case. The seven clubs that have got genuine concerns about the sustainability of some clubs. And the lack of game time for some of the lower grades and turning some of the lower grade competitions into uh, really frail, uneventful, and I know clubs are leaking players to sub-districts is a problem. Um, and I, But I just think it's going to be such a really difficult uh, road ahead for these clubs to really force change upon some of these other clubs to into, into either force mergers or or just not competing in the competition. That's, that's a real struggle to try and to try not get rid of, but maybe force mergers, and that's going to be uh, incredibly complex. And then again, the Western Sydney angle, we had Craig Morgan on the show, you know, uh, talk through some really valid points, I thought, for a long time. To turn our back on a $14 million redevelopment of, of Granville Park is, is a disaster, and, and I think we're going to need some leadership, not just from Sydney Rugby Union, but from New South Wales Rugby. I know Tony Crawford's just gone in as the chairman, um, but we cannot – lose these footprints for rugby um, to other codes if we if we haven't got our act together. So there's some of some of the little um, talking points I, I saw. Um, Cash, you've been in and around the game for a long time. How did you sort of see things uh, from all from all the conversations that have been had? Well I, I've, I've taken the view that it's it's probably something that uh, it's a hard conversation that needs to be had and it's a hard conversation that's being had at the moment. 
I, I, I'm of the opinion that maybe we're, we're not going to get this four and three and some of the other requirements uh, happening mm. all, all over the place. I, I, I feel as though the, uh, the Western Sydney merger is, uh, is very much on mm. and uh, I, I, I believe that at least one of the parties involved in that is very keen to actually make it happen. Uh, I think all we're setting ourselves up for at this particular point in time is maybe lawyers at uh, at 10 paces uh, a bit further down the track. So uh, mm. I just hope that that uh, doesn't happen because it's just a waste of money. And, um, you know, listen, we've already wasted enough money on uh, a guy called Israel Falau. So mm. let's get there, make some hard decisions and come up with a competition structure that, uh, that suits suits everybody. There's no doubt that uh, rugby in Western Sydney does have its problems. You know, uh, Penrith at this stage have one team. It's uh, it's a, in, in the senior grade. That's the Shoot Shield team. Uh, uh, the Western Sydney Two Blues have one team in the senior grades at this point in time. That's just not viable. At this point in time, you would even suggest that perhaps the Two Blues might be gone before, before the end of this year. So, like, you know, I, listen. I, I really hope that that doesn't happen uh, because, as you said, that forty million dollar development out there at uh, Granville Park, Eric Tweedale Stadium, deserves to have a vibrant rugby club in and around it. So, uh, you know, there's the, there's a lot to talk through. There's there's a lot of problems to solve. Or you guys uh, and, and myself, if we if we throw our combined incomes in. We'd probably need to be paid more to to, uh, to actually come up with some sort of solution. Oh, absolutely! That's yeah. the, that's the challenge, and always a constant challenge for anything Sydney Rugby Union related. We're mostly run by volunteers. It's uh, it's a big graph. That's, that's a really good point. It's mostly run by volunteers, right? So my question to you guys is: What is the chance that actually nothing happens and it's status quo, and we just plough on? Because I think that's the worst possible result. Mm, um, the the, the two hard basket will will come knocking. Don't worry. <laughs> it's a, it's a crit- it's a tricky one though. I've thought for a number of years now that the shoot shield has a bit of an identity problem. Doesn't really know what it is. Subbies knows what it is. It's park footy. Train once a week. Uh, they stack with grades. Some of these clubs are far healthier in terms of participation and financials than Shoot Shield clubs, and that's not an exaggeration. Shoot Shield has flirted with being the high-profile competition, um, but it relies on a lot of money flow. Um, I know, obviously, we've got very aspirational coaches, which is fantastic, but they're commanding that professional-type salary. Now, it's not it's not huge dollars. It's not, you know, American League, Japan League, or anything like that, but, you know, they're anywhere from probably – Seventy to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars has probably been the, the number over the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. That's a reasonable paycheck. Now the players aren't semi-professional; they're nowhere near semi-professional. Some are maybe getting some reasonable salaries, but you know, two hundred dollars to four hundred dollars a week—that's that's a hobby. It's not it's not a semi-professional um, yep. situation. So. I genuinely have some long-term concerns about the viability of lower grades in the grade competition. Now, I don't want to say that because I was a, played a lot of lower-grade footy, but it's a challenge. Um, if you want to put all this semi-professional framework in and around the competition, 
you've got to look at what you're offering, which is essentially uh, a lot of different different sort of mindsets when it comes to their rugby. So I think it really needs to do a bit more soul searching as, as to what we are. And I think we want to try and get that balance right. But I would look towards Queensland for some solutions, to be honest. I think what they've got up there is is really good. Um, it's probably a bit of a hybrid of the subbies and, you know, the, the level of the shoot shield. They've, As you know, Swaney, better than we do, they've got clubs that have got great infrastructure. They've got healthy numbers. The um, money being thrown in that competition is nowhere near what it is um, down here. Um, mm. But it seems to be delivering performing players into Queensland rugby, into the super scene. Um, and I think for the overall long-term growth of the game, that just seems like a better model. So they've got to do some some research. They've got to do some investigation. Now, I'm not saying you can just adapt Sydney to Queensland because the demographics are crazily different, but there's yeah. just so much to talk through and try and find a better solution. And I think let's, let's – without – don't worry about the optics and all that. I think that's what – everyone's trying to do and I think that's what the sides that are maybe in the weaker side of this want they understand that that, that needs to be a more vibrant competition needs to be healthier but uh, it's a real challenge trying to find um, the answers at the end of the day the, the clubs that have a good uh, back of house are, are the ones that are doing well mm. so and that's probably most of the seven who are uh, who are who are sort of calling for change. So, but Casho, but Casho, look at Gordon. Uh, four or five years ago, they were on their knees, and they've done really well with their Colts program. Don't get me wrong, but there's far more money flowing that through that club now than what there was uh, a number of years ago. So, it's really volatile. I know, and the clubs will move in cycles. Manly's moving through a, a bit of a cycle now. Um, it's yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're right. The other clubs are in a, in a stronger position, but it's still bloody volatile, these clubs. They they take a lot of effort. They take a lot of money to, to sustain. Some clubs have sold their licensed clubs. So I've got more in the till. Um, you know, I think if you look through all the clubs' finance to where everyone's actually at, you'll, you'll see um, great disparity, I think. Yeah, 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 very much so. And uh, actually, just to take you inside that meeting on uh, on Monday night with 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 no names, no pack drill. Uh, one of the presidents was saying, "I'm looking around the room here, and every one of the clubs has been on their knees at one particular stage. So, yep, probably where where we need to cut some of these clubs." They're underperforming, uh, mm. uh, looking a bit terminal at the moment. Uh, need need to be given a little bit of sympathy, a, a, a little bit of help, a little bit of a hand up. Mm-mm. Anyway, let's just hope that uh, it all progresses with full transparency because it's still very much the rugby community is a little bit in the dark on this one. So yeah, we'll just, uh, you know, and I think we see both sides of the argument. So hopefully things can move forward and, um, you know, let's see what the next round of discussions bring because they'll, they'll come thick and thin. Um, we could talk about that for hours, but we'll get moving. Um, we'll start talking some footy, uh, round seven from the weekend. Very interesting game at Chatswood Oval with the Stag sneaking home 24 over Ringer 20. Ringer uh, were the pace setters for much of this match, and Gordon looked to be having one of those days. Uh, a lot of drop ball, not quite getting right, but as champion sides do, they, they find a way. Rats will probably be kicking themselves a little bit, uh, Casho, but... Um, Another good win for the Stags. Yeah, listen, uh, the the Stags are completely different to last year. You 
you've probably only got to look at their uh, their player points at this point in the season. Mm. I think uh, un- under DC, Darren Coleman, they were, uh, they were nudging up there in the, into the 80s and the 90s. And, and this year, as most clubs are, they're, uh, they're in the 20s and sometimes the teens in terms of their they're sort of playing stock. So it's a time of great change at Gordon and they're trying to find their own identity. And one of the things that Billy Melrose has always talked about, and he talks to me about it constantly, is the fact that this is the 21, uh, 2021 uh, Highlanders, not the uh, not the team from last year. Mm. And that's what the, that's what they manufactured uh, during that game. They, uh, they took their chances, two tries to Mike Pavlakis and, you know, a, a, a real good shift from James Luff and Tom Silk, Geordie mm. Goddard, the captain, uh, uh, did his stuff and they 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 uh, they got over the line eventually 24-20. Yeah, it was um, an interesting one. The, the, I thought that the Rats had a final chance at the death um, to try and snap it. Swaney, did you see that with regards to the penalty for the intercept that was dropped? It's one of the most annoying rules. I mean, if you go for an intercept and you juggle it for 10 metres and eventually drop it, um, it should just be a knock-on. If you blatantly go for a knockdown, it's a penalty. But every you can't even go for an intercept anymore. I mean, I'm talking from a bloke that probably used to like to try and go for intercepts rather than make a tackle. So, <laughs> so, but you know what I mean? I, I, I don't think the Rats should have been afforded, afforded that last opportunity. Actually, Burjo, you're talking to a second rower and a prop. When did we ever go for an intercept? Well, I was a chubby back, so I'm just trying to try to throw the gadget arms out occasionally, Casho. So. Did, did anyone see the moment I'm referring to? I just don't think the Rats should have had that opportunity to. I definitely did, and yeah. it was a genuine intercept opportunity. It was. You're absolutely right. If if he he juggles at it for quite a few meters and then lose and then drops, he it. dropped it cold. It wasn't um, like he charged it down. He dropped it. What, what we've now got in in the game is. It's black and white. It's not a grey area anymore. It's yeah. it's it's black and white. So if you go for that intercept, mm. you're at risk of giving up the penalty. Mm. If if you if you drop it, if you yeah. get the intercept, then good for you, and you can go the length of the field and score. Mm. But now, if you go for it, it's a penalty. You got to catch it. You just got to catch it. Absolutely. So you have to be with that. You have to have a hundred percent certainty that you're going to catch that ball to want to go for it. And um, you know, I, I think that's just where we're at at the moment. Okay, so, you've explained that to me. Anyway, Gordon got uh, their karma from the next player because the Rats did a dodgy transfer at the back of the line-out. What, so what it about just, it? Though? It didn't really matter in the end. Oh, it was – it was. It all happened in slow motion too. I was watching it mm. and he's tried to sort of hand the ball over the top of the player who was bound to him and then yeah. he pulls it back in and pops it back under and, yeah. and, uh, and you can't do that. And uh, and the game was over, and it was such an anti climax for what could have been an absolutely brilliant ending. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. Anyway, it was um, a good win for the Stags, and they just keep on rolling. But um, Rats, you know, they are uh, they're clearly showing uh, with their results and even with their losses that they are one of the sides that are pushing towards uh, that top end of the competition. I caught a little bit of the Emus game against East. Um, I watched. Some passages of play from the Emus that really got me thinking they were going pretty well. I mean, they um, East defended quite well in that first half, but Penrith were able to put together some really good uh, phases. 
Um, East well in control for most of the match, but the scoreline did end 35-17, to 17, so a bit of respectability there, Casho. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think uh, I, I, I sort of watched uh, uh, pretty well much, much of this game and uh, on the Penrith side of the equation, 17 points, they're continuing to uh, score points, which is uh, which is really good. And uh, I thought Callum Adams really carried the ball well, yep. as did their uh, as did their captain and number eight, Matthew Fagali. So, uh, but uh, elsewhere on on the other side of the equation, thirty five points to uh, Eastern Suburbs, a hat trick of tries to uh, Archie Gavin, which is uh, which playing well. His mm. great work there and. Forming quite quite a good back row with James Donato and and probably one of Paulie Talmorpia's uh, favourites, Dean Open Hunt, who was uh, who was actually captain for the day. But uh, mm. one one of the guys that uh, that uh, stood out to me was uh, Teddy Wilson, the halfback. I think uh, I think there's there's a lot that I like in in the way that he plays. He's he's got a good pass from uh, from the scrum base there. Is uh, can scoot around uh, uh, around the scrum base and uh, the breakdown, and uh, you know he combined well with Ron Sifoli, who was uh, Mister Professional in uh, in everything he did. I, I don't think he missed a kick throughout the afternoon. Mm. And uh, on the edges there, Blake Rickson and uh, Richie Wolf uh, did the stuff that they do always quite well. Yeah, the wingers played well, and Sifoli's a, a really tidy player, so um, he's ticking along well. Uh, fantastic match at Coogee and a huge win for the Wicks against Southern Districts, Swaney. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, you know, it's a it's a big big result in terms of the uh, in terms of the ladder when you when you talk about that sort of uh, middle part of the the, the ladder. Wicks needed to to um, to gap south, so they've, they've just managed to jump ahead of them, mm. which is uh, which was good for them. Um, you know, Souths. Uh, oh, look, good to see um, uh, Warren Raboni or Raboni Warren Vossiatho, um, who's the new Tars signing, have a run around for them and score. Um, thought that was a uh, thought that was pretty good to, to watch. Um, well, Swaney, one of the one of the guys I spoke to for Rugby News after the game was Mitch Short, the the Ramwick captain, and uh, and and he was pushing the line, and it makes a hell of a lot of sense that. These sort of games for those teams in that middle block fighting for a place, you know, maybe four, five, six for, for the finals, mm. are pretty much worth double. Absolutely. So, you know, listen, got to agree with, uh, with with what he said there. And uh, listen, he, he was a wee bit concerned about that that uh, that final ball on which the winning try was scored from, and uh, he he could, he could see the Southern Districts coming through the middle of that. Uh, of that mall, and he quickly got the ball out and made a very ugly attempt of uh, scoring. But thankfully, the the arm went up and uh, win win chicken dinner. Mm, yeah, you're it was right. A nuts ending, wasn't it? Crazy, crazy, and very exciting. And uh, lots of passion down there at Coogee. Good, good win for the weeks. But you're right, Casha. Those games in and around each other for all those teams playing for finals are worth double. It's like the the Premier League; they call it a six pointer. So uh, they do, yeah. And from a Southern Districts point of view, I thought Miles Thoroughgood, the the, the number ten that uh, Todd Loudon's put a bit of uh, put a bit of work into, he's continuing to blossom. There was a mm. uh, a couple of nice plays there, including a uh, a kick pass for a try in the early stages of this game to uh, 
Christian mm. Kajiashis. So, uh, listen, he's coming along nicely and, and that, that's what Southern Districts need to make the finals. But, uh, listen, it's uh, it's a hard ask now uh, from here on in because, uh, you know, like all those, uh, all those losses are critical at, at this point this time of the year. Mm. I was at Manly Oval, obviously, as we'd already discussed. Casho was there too. He's probably got a better recollection of the events probably towards that second half. But uh, from what I saw uh, from uh, pitch side, uh, Norse far too good um, early on, just uh, playing with real pomp at the moment. I thought Bury deputised for Sinclair fantastically. Uh, watching him uh, up close was fantastic. He's got some... Real X Factory. He was running down that sideline and put a step on my brother, actually, and uh, had him on ice skates. Um, he was fantastic. I thought the Norse offload game was very prevalent throughout the match. Um, yeah. Scored some fantastic tries, and uh, they showed why they're on top. Marlins came back in. I mean, really, I mean, Norse were in a commanding lead, right? And then, and then sort of Manly came back into it a little bit. Norse were probably a little bit flatter in the second half, but finished with a couple of tries. I just thought James Morgan and Nick Duffy really bossed the game a bit up front. I thought Morgan was really getting stuck into the to the Manly front row. Um, James Hiltonbrand didn't take too lightly, but it was good to see, you know, new generation coming up against an old Bill and, um, you know, push him around a bit. And, and Duffy's just uh, a real linchpin of this northern suburb side, Casher. One of my mates who I swim with most uh, Wednesday mornings at Balmoral Beach reckons that James Margan has actually shaped his game on 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 the way he used to play. Now, there can be nothing further from the truth about this, but uh, <laughs> he, what, uh, that's, uh, that's a pretty good pay, I think. But, you swim uh, with Dane Coles, do you? Is that yeah. <laughs> yeah. James Margan had an absolute monster of a game, yeah, as did Max Fury. And uh, mm. Zach Beer, who, uh, who had a couple of beers with you guys, Burjo, uh, after the game. I reckon Max Fury's very much like uh, like a rugby league halfback in in, in that he can uh, ball play once he's in in uh, in the middle of the uh, defensive line. So and also is also very quick off the mark. So it's completely different to uh, what Angus Sinclair Blink uh, brings there. But uh, it's nice and refreshing to uh, to sort of see that. But uh, as, as you say, Norse keep uh, keep sort of chugging along. Uh, a few injuries along the way. They lost Charlie Jevons' fellows uh, mm. for a week or two and also the tight end prop, d Decker, Panda, mm. for, uh, for, for a couple of weeks. But uh, listen, yeah. they're coming together quite well. Yeah, the, uh, the the injury to the prop was uh, probably advantageous to the Marlins, but Marlins probably had the edge on Norse the scrum, so Norse will need to get that scrum humming by finals time, Swaney. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was, I'll definitely agree with you guys. There, the one thing I did notice is just how flat at the line Norths are playing with Bury at 10 and his mm. brother jumps in at first receiver a lot as well mm. and they just throw these flat passes that put guys in behind the advantage line um, through holes. It's, uh, it's, really, it's, it's really nice to watch when it gets a bit of a roll on and, and I thought mm. that you know, particularly in that first half there was just a couple of times where you know, it was just a defensive misread really from from the Marlins, but it was actually a beautiful, beautifully played ball from either Max or Harry Bury yep. to put someone in behind. Yep. Um, and, and that was, you know, that was probably the difference in the end. I did, I did note watching the broadcast 
Um, there was a big shot early in the game on Brad Hamopo on the far side and one um, uh, A. Bergelin just absolutely giving it to him from from the sideline, um, spraying uh, with, with the rest of the uh, – That's the absolutely, absolute <laughs> rubbish. Brad and I uh, – Good friends, mate. It must have just been some spirited encouragement after yeah, my. I uh, think so. I think it was very spirited from from a lot of you, not just yeah. yourself. But, Might yeah. have had six motors under my belt by that stage, but that's okay. Uh, we'll move yeah, on. Actually, Virgo, it's uh, it, it's interesting that uh, that the Marlins did come back into it mm. and encouraging to think that Sam Lane came on and yep. and, uh, and and gave them uh, twenty minutes there and. Uh, Seemed to come through it okay, so obviously going to play a bit of a role in the in the derby this weekend or the derby, whatever you like to call it. Was encouraging to see Laney on the field. We know how talented of a player he is, and hopefully he can get that body right for a few games because the Marlins are probably playing their grand final this week. So we'll move on. Um, Woods rebound back into form with a, a tidy looking score on here, sixty six to thirty three over the Wildfires. Um, Eastwood back in the groove, maybe, Casho. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, actually, for uh, rugby news earlier this week, I did a, uh, I, I did a little bit of a speculation story about the fastest players in the shoot shield. And uh, mm. I'm just looking at the score sheet here about one Matthew Gonzalez scored three tries against the uh, the wildfires, and that says something about it about his pace there. So. Uh, yeah, he was uh, he was thrown up there along with uh, Lachlan Shelley as uh, as one of the gas men out of the woods. That uh, listen, how many tries we've got? We've got four, six, eight, ten tries. So uh, mm. obviously, a fairly complete performance uh, against the wildfires. Yeah, Matty Gonzalez, I thought was uh, was outstanding, just sniping around the edges. Uh, that's what he does best, as he always has done. But um, and and he just runs those lovely little support lines as well. Yep. Um, but you're talking about Gasman. That Sam Dolores on on the wing, he was rapid. Yeah, very quick. His two tries that he scored. Mm. Um, like his legs look like they're going in, you know, in fast forward. It's um, it's unbelievable. So I think he's definitely one to put on that list as well. Yeah. Um, he, he the two tries that he scored were just down to pure gas. Yeah, so, uh, one of the guys that Ben Batcher mentioned was a guy called Adrian Brown, who's uh, who's in the uh, in some of the underage uh, teams going around at the moment. I think he's in the in the national squad. He's a prop, and he does forty meters in four point nine seven. So go figure about that. <laughs> that is quick. Well, it's good to see Taylor but getting plenty of footy under his belt because he's going to be a critical player for the Woods moving forward and. His combination with Gonzalez will be great. I'm a huge fan of Gonzalez. I think he's been a fantastic player, absolute ripper uh, for many years. And um, they've been served by good halfbacks at Woody's, but uh, he's a really exciting young player. Um, he's probably not that young anyway. He's probably pushing to his late 20s now. But, yeah, fantastic. I'm a big fan. Um, good game between the Pirates and the two Blues. Pirates, too good, 46. Western Sydney, 22. So, Pirates... Keeping in touch, Kasha. Yeah, yeah, they are. I think uh, it was played down at Camden, and uh, just from the from the from the stand sport coverage, it was uh, an absolutely uh, a 
absolutely uh, fantastic ground that they uh, they played at. So great to take the uh, the game down to the uh, the Southern Highlands. But uh, listen, they're uh, they're they're number ten for West Harbour. Cody Drury Hawkins mm. had a real complete game. I don't think he missed a kick at golf uh, throughout the afternoon and uh, laid on it laid on a couple of good tries. And uh, mm. one of our favourites, uh, Kelly Messina. Did did really really well as did uh, as did the fullback five of fiver. But yeah. on the other side of the thing, George Prane uh, took the game to the uh, the, the larger uh, West Harbour pack, and uh, that's Sam Bapp, who was who was mentioned also in 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 that uh, Gasman uh, story that I did for Rugby News earlier this week. He he had a pretty strong game as well. Mm. Yeah, Drury uh, Hawkins is. Uh... He's played a lot of first grade for West Harbour, so he plays mostly fullback, but uh, good to see him slotting in at 10. But um, they've got one of the better offload games in the comp too, Swaney, uh, the Pirates, up there with sort of Northern Stabbers, just the way they, they move the ball around. And it's, um, I don't know, it seems like some teams do their offloading in the preseason, maybe others not as much, but uh, it's pretty lethal when it gets going. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that's from the top down. Every level of rugby, if you can get a good offload game going, you, mm. you, you're set. And, and West Harbour, they they almost got it there, don't they? They when it when it comes off for them, it's brilliant. Um, you know, and Nathena again, he was he was the guy. Uh, like I've got, I think I've mentioned his name every week. Yeah, um, <laughs> two, but yeah, I, I've got my favourite player in the comp. Yeah. yeah, just uh, just always there or there. You're managing him, Swaney, are you? A pussy, yeah. Maybe I should. Well, shoot, car, shoot cars player management's about to launch. If, if you're listening, if you're listening, <laughs> Kelly. Uh, um, but but uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, it was just a thoroughly entertaining game. Wasn't yeah, it, it was. Like, all the tries that were scored were just belters. Mm. Um, so yeah, look, you know, when these two sides, when they when they have a crack, um, they can definitely turn it on. Mm. Uh, they just need to do it against the big dogs now, don't they? They do, they do. They'll need a big scalp soon. Um, I look towards the ladder. North out in front now, having a game in hand on uni- well, game on university rather university with a game in hand. Uh, North thirty six, uni thirty five. Gordon in third spot, twenty nine. East uh, kind of swanned in there to fourth spot on twenty five points. Woody's in fifth on twenty four. Ringer rounding out the six at twenty three. Behind them, Ramwick twenty one. South eighteen, West Harbour sixteen, uh, Marlins at twelve, but uh, probably almost out of touching distance. Um, and this week it's the local derby, one of the uh, great fixtures of the Shoot Shield, probably the most well known. And uh, we're looking forward for the whole community to getting up to. Uh, Rat Park. We've got a huge lunch on uh, Friday at the Miramar. 750 uh, patrons, I believe, and Sean Maloney's MC. They'll be announcing the Derby team uh, of the last 50 years, which will be very exciting. And um, hoping for an improved Marlins performance out at Rat Park, Casho. Yeah, listen, let's uh, let's hope so. The teams came in early today and Matty McGolrick stuck with uh, pretty much that, uh, that team that uh, – uh, played Norse and did pretty well for probably the middle 40 minutes. So, uh, mm. listen, uh, derbies are different. They are. It's probably about finesse. It's probably about uh, strength of mind and uh, bloody yes. mind. So that's uh, 
that's the way it's going to be at uh, at Rat Park on the weekend. But listen, just looking a bit wider than uh, than the big derby. Not that I want to go away from it, but there's some great games: Gordon and Eastwood at Chatswood, Ramwick and Sydney Uni. Uh, there as well as uh, East and North at uh, Wallara. Yeah, cracking. cracking round of rugby. Really good round, really good round. The Gordon East will be fascinating, as will East and North. East will be looking to uh, knock over North and um, Uni back in action against Ramit. Yeah, plenty happening, so uh, we will know much more. And obviously going into the bye, so... Uh, We'll get our podcast out of the way next week. Then we'll get a breather and uh, maybe maybe do that uh, mid-year catch-up, gents. Oh, love it. Love it. Lock so, it in, mate. We'll lock it in. All right, boys. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for having a chat. We'll uh, enjoy our footy this weekend. Uh, Swaney, what, we've got two weeks left to Trans-Tasman? Yeah, that's it. So I'm in Brizzy on Friday night to do the Reds v. Blues, the primary colours clash. And then um, off to... Uh, Canberra on Saturday night for the Brumbies. And then uh, Sunday, it looks like we'll be back at Leichhardt um, with the Rebels taking on the Chiefs potentially. Um, I don't know if that's been locked in just yet, but I think with the lockdown happening, uh, it's all but going to happen. So, Mm. um, yeah, big, big weekend of of Super Rugby Trans-Tasman and of the Shoot Shield. And then... Yeah, there's one more week of Trans Tasman before we crown a finalist, a winning a winner at the on the nineteenth. Got an early tip for me? Uh for the winner of yep. the comp. Uh look, I'm gonna go with the oh look, is it boring if I say the Crusaders? Yeah, it is boring. Gonna, it, is, it is boring. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna say the uh I'm gonna say the blues win it. Mm. Oh well. That'll be interesting. Casho, I take it you'll probably be at Willara on the weekend? No, no, I might uh, might head down to Rat Park Ooh. and uh, have a look there and uh, keep on the keep my my uh, across the scores around the grounds on the Fuse Sport app. So uh, listen, it's it's going to be a great day down there. A lot happening. I think there's probably nine games of footy in and around the uh, the main oval there, and uh, it's uh, it's also a Lockie Ward Memorial Day too. Mm. So uh, and uh, Sam Ward. Uh, Played last week off the bench for third grade against Gordon. Yeah, that's a third grader's nightmare watching Barrel down the sideline. Yeah, so uh, listen, a, a very emotional day for the Rats all round, and uh, as as well as all the complications from uh, for for the derby. And uh, listen, uh, I uh, I did the teams earlier today, and uh, the Rats have recast things a wee bit. Andrew Davies comes in. Mm. Alex O'Dell goes to the side. Rory Sato works off the bench, and yeah. Seth Wildman comes into outside centre with uh, uh, with uh, with with the backline there. So uh, they'll be wearing the original strips from 1971. So there you go. Yeah, too right. Oh. Yeah, good. Good stuff. Good day for rugby. Thanks, gents. I'll catch you next week. 